0: Well, good morning, Coastal. How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Can we go ahead and give it up for our Pompano Beach campus and everybody that's watching online? Man, we love you guys. We're so glad that you're joining us here this morning. You know, this morning is, is an exciting day for me. Uh, we, we have a couple of big things. One of the things we told you last week is, is we have a, a big announcement this week, and that is, is that on May The 9th of next month, which is a Wednesday night, we have gotten permission from our contractor that we are actually going to be able to go out to our new facility in Parkland and have a worship night out there in the new facility. It's going to be an opportunity for you guys to see it, get an experience in the auditorium, see the kids' areas. We can't wait to see what God is going to do, and it's also going to be an opportunity for us to go around and and believe God for change lives. You know, we're not building buildings just so that we can have a building. We're building buildings so we can change people's lives in the community. And it's our opportunity to go out there and start worshiping God and believing for our friends and our family and our co-workers to come to know Jesus in that place. It's going to be an incredible, incredible thing. But the second thing that's really, really awesome about today is, is that We have my pastor here with us, and uh, I'm telling you what, yeah, let's give it up for him. I I know you guys will will cheer for him in a second, but there has not been a single individual uh, that has had a greater impact on my life spiritually than this man. He believed in me when I was 22 years old, broken and jacked up and messed up, and he saw potential. He saw the future that God had for me, and he believed in me. And uh, he was the first person to tell me when I, I heard God speak about planning a church, he, I remember him telling me, you're ready. And he has had our back the entire time. And so can we give a huge coastal welcome to my pastor, Pastor Randy Bizet?
1: Alright, what a welcome, man. I feel, golly, I wish you guys would come to my church. They would appreciate me like that. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I'm so, I'm so honored to be with you guys this morning. And uh, I just, I can't tell you as TJ and Shayla's pastor how proud I am of them. And just what God has done. You guys, he really was jacked up first time I met him. I mean, some of you think he's jacked up now, right? You should have seen him before I got a hold of him, all right? He was a real mess. Now, TJ and Shayla, they were young and dumb and just didn't know any better yet, right? And uh, they had a call of God on their life, and I saw the potential. And uh, my wife, Amy, and I, and we, we just brought them into the church and just loved them and invested in them and helped them live the call of God that is on their life. Eight years ago now, sent them here. Uh, to South Florida to help them uh, start this church. And uh, I just want to tell you, I'm very proud of you, TJ. You guys are doing an incredible job. Come on, you guys, you should give it up for your pastors, TJ and Shayla. Look, with, with 90% of churches in America that are actually declining in attendance are either plateaued. To see all that is happening here uh, I hope you recognize how blessed you really are to be a part of a church that is growing, reaching people for Christ. Not just having weekend church, but is serving the community when there are our needs. And you guys know that better than anybody in the country right now with what's recently happened here. How you guys were just here to serve the community. Church isn't about what happens here. Come on, church is not a building. Come on, say amen to that right there. All right, tell, tell your neighbors, say, you to the church. That's right, we are the church. And this coastal community church, this community that you call coastal, is about serving the community, and, uh, and it's because you have great leaders. And so, very honored to be with you guys today. And I have the, the most beautiful woman that has ever sucked air off the planet is here with me this weekend. It's my girlfriend, my wife of 25 years. Come on, y'all give it up for my wife, Amy. Yeah. It's, we celebrate 25 years this year. I turned 50 years old. It's a big year. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a monumental year for me. I'm just, I'm, I made it. I never thought I'd live this long, so I guess my work is done. No, just kidding. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm very, very honored, seriously. And I'm excited about what God is doing uh, with your new building and what's coming up. Uh, you guys, I know you're taking an offering later this month, and, and God just put it in my heart, you know, because this is good ground. we're going to sow a seed into your offering uh later this month and uh so i believe in what god is doing here and when you when you partner with the local church it'll bless you so i i'm looking forward to you guys your offering and i believe you're going to hit the two hundred fifty thousand dollars. and as your your project is immeasurably more i believe that god will do immeasurably more than even that amen so i know you guys are praying about it and I can just promise you I've seen this happen in our church. As you partner with the local church, uh, it's going to bless you, all right? I actually happened to be reading an article the other day about uh, people who are extremely rich, and now they're all they're, they're broke, right? You probably recognize some of these athletes as well. Tiki Barber, do we have any Giants fans in the house? Good. I was just checking. We were going to weed the people out that we didn't want here, so it kind of... <laughs> worked out really good Tiki Barber played for the Giants right you know he made 35 million dollars while he played for the NFL then he retired from the NFL he uh went to NBC had an an affair with an intern and got fired he's completely broke now after making 35 million dollars that's that's pretty sad Warren Sapp come on we know him around here from the U right we got any U fans in the house come on yeah you guys are normally louder than that I don't understand right So Warren Sapp, uh, obviously you know who he is. He made $60 million while he was in the NFL. He has four kids out of wedlock. Uh, He's so broke, he sold his national championship ring and his Super Bowl ring, and he's $7 million in debt right now. That's sad, isn't it? You guys probably know this guy, Terrell Owens, right? Did you know that T.O. made $80 million while he was in the NFL? And he spent it like he was going to be playing football the rest of his life. He quit playing football. He's just a you know probably too too hard to have in the locker room right you know his attitude right anyway and so he was completely broke He even tried a reality show and that didn't work and he's completely broke and has nothing now and uh, I I know when I think of people like that or I read an article like that oftentimes I'll say man if I were rich I'd do a lot better job of being rich than them how many of you think you could do a better job (laughs) of being rich than those guys right there you go man I don't understand it. And listen, let me read this, this scripture. It says in 1 Timothy, you should have gotten a worship guide, so you'll, you'll see some uh, scriptures in there. If, if not, I'm sure they have it on the screen as well. Look what it says. Tell those who are rich. Tell, somebody should have told T.O. this right here, right? This verse was for him. Tell those who are rich not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which will soon be gone. They, they could all tell us that part for sure. But their pride and trust should be in the living God who always richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. I I know when I see articles like that or I think about people like that, I go, man, this verse, they need to to hear that. And the Bible is very interesting because it has a lot to say to lots of people. It talks to parents, it it talks to kids, it talks to rich people. It, It is a lot of things that the Bible speaks to. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in, in here would say that you're, you're tall? Come on, anybody here is tall? Come on, you kind of tall, all right. How many of you say, I'm good looking? Go on, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about right there. How many of you, though, would say, I'm rich? See, there's one guy over here, Pastor TJ, you need to know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> Make notes, right? Okay, all right, we, we need to know that. See, here's what I know, that most of us, when we read a verse like this, we would think of somebody else that we know needs to be here. I mean, you think of people like Zuckerberg, uh, Zuckerberg, right? You think, well, Mark needs to be here. Bill Gates needs to be here. Those guys, that verse is really for them. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible is read in more places than America. Did you know that? The Bible isn't an American book, okay? It's read throughout countries and places around. How many of you have Ten dollars right now. I'm not taking an offering right now, so don't, don't get nervous. Okay. How many of you have, or, or at least not ten dollars on you, but you have it in your bank account? You have ten dollars somewhere. Okay, do you realize that you are the top ten wealthiest people in the world? How many of you own a car? Come on, raise your hand. You own a car, right? The rest of you didn't walk here. Okay, so, you you know, raise your hand if you have a car, all right? You're in the top seven percent of all people in the world the fact that if you owned over thirty six thousand dollars if you earned over thirty-six thousand dollars a year do you realize you're in the top four percent of wage earners in the entire world i mean studies would show you guys are in the top percent of all the world just on based on where we live right and so I, i know from my travel around the world in different places i've had the ability to go to places like india and sri lanka and Uh, sub-saharan africa and zimbabwe and places that are that are completely just third world countries and really have no money at all i wonder if i were to take let's say i were to go to india and i was to take one of those people that live there take them out of there and bring them over here and set them in our community and imagine some of the things they might think they might say something like man you wouldn't believe how rich these people are these people are so rich they have so much money they actually have houses that they store their money and they call them banks or something like that I don't know but but that's how much money they have they have to have a place where they store their money and these people they're so rich they make so much money they actually hire counselors to tell them what to do with their money after they're dead they got so much of it right they actually have so much money, they actually pay people to cook food for them. They call them restaurants or something like that. But these people are extremely wealthy. They actually are so rich, they actually live in houses. And these houses have extra rooms. People don't even sleep in them. They call them guest rooms or something like that. That's how rich they are. They actually are so rich, you wouldn't believe this. They actually have houses for their cars, They call them garages, and some of their houses have two garages because they have two cars. Some of them even have three houses for their cars, two for their cars, and one for their junk. And then these, these women, you wouldn't believe how rich they are. These women are so rich, they have rooms in their house specifically for clothes. They call them closets, and that's just where all their clothes are. And and these rich women, they have so much clothes, it's stacked on top of each other, like almost to the ceiling in their house. And some of these rich women, they walk into their rooms for clothes, and they look at all of those clothes, and they say, yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) I want you to think about something. The truth is that we truly are rich. You see, it's $2 right here on the floor. I just threw that on the floor, and not one of you even flinched. I think this guy right here, just a little bit, he was like telling his wife, man, I'm sure glad we sat on the front row. I didn't know he was going to get some money today, all right? This right here, $2, represents what over 3 billion people in the world earn every day. We see $2, I throw it on the floor, you hardly even think about it. It would be an entire day's wages for over 3 billion people. So, when this scripture talks about tell those who are rich, could it be that it is speaking to us? Could it be oftentimes that we read things in the Bible and we look at things and we think it's for someone else, but perhaps today God might be speaking to you? So here's what I want to do today. I would like to share something with you to help you change your mindset, where you will no longer spend your money, but you will think about how you should invest. How can you be a good person that is rich? Because in essence, as we understand now, all of us are rich when you look at the entire world and how we really live our lives. So let's go back to our verse in 1 Timothy. And I want to read these three passages or verses, and then we're going we're gonna to break it down for a little bit. Back in verse 17, it says, Tell those who are rich to not be proud and to put their trust in money, which will soon be gone. But their pride and their trust should be in the living God who always richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. And by doing this, they will be storing up real treasures for themselves in heaven. Look at this. It is the only safe investment for eternity. Would you circle those words in your notes? Would you? Safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. So what are some things that we can look at when it comes to investing our money rather than just spending it? First thing is we need to trust God first. Back in that first verse, it says that we shouldn't put our trust in money, but that we should put our trust in God. So the scripture is saying that's the first thing. And look, I would be doing a disservice to you if I stood up here and I didn't talk about the first thing in your life should be the first thing in your life. And that is God. God should always take top priority in your life. It's the principle, you hear it in church a lot of times, you hear it, it's called tithing. It's a principle of first. The scripture says, look at this in, in Deuteronomy, the purpose of tithing is actually to teach you to always, everybody say always. Come on, Pompano Beach, everybody, let's say it together. Say always. always. To always put God first in our lives. We should always, this is not just a financial principle But this is true in everything, to put God first. I think when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you ought to do is, Good morning, God. What's up? Come on, everybody say, What's up? That's how you should talk to God. It's like, God, what's up, man? Give him first place in your life. That's the purpose of tithing. Or it's really, it's about your time. It's about your talents. It's about your money. It's everything. God, I want to put you first. Well, that's why in this church, if you've been here at least since January, you guys know that you do a season of prayer and fasting in January. Why? Because when you honor God with the first, the scripture says, he blesses the rest. Give him the first part of your day, first part of your year, first part of your finances. And when we put him first and God has first place, I don't know how it works because it's a spiritual principle. But when you give God first, he multiplies and he makes the rest of it go further than if you owned it all on your own. Look, those rich people we were talking about at the beginning, right? If they would have handled their life differently, I bet you things would have gone a lot different if they would have put God first in their lives. In fact, your church, after the weekend services, they count all the, the tithes and the offerings that come in. You know what's the first thing they do? Pastor TJ would, wouldn't, wouldn't want to tell you this, but I get, I'm going to brag a little bit on your church, all right? The first thing they do after they count the offering, the first thing they do is they give to missions. They don't pay salaries. They don't pay rent. They don't put money in the building project. The first thing they do is they give to God. They sow it into other people. And I think that's why God is blessing this church so much. Could they use that money for something else right now, especially when you're trying to build a building? But they realize that putting God first is the only way to live a blessed life. See, giving God first, it breaks the power of greed in our lives. And can I tell you something? There is a direct correlation between what is first in your life and where your heart is. Okay, Amy, now we've been married for 25 years now. Well, almost, okay. And for me, it seems like it went like this. For her, it's been long and dragging on and on and on. Okay, right. But imagine if I went to her and I said, Amy, look, babe, there's seven and a half billion people on the planet. And there's of all seven and a half billion people on this planet, you're number two. Right? You're not first in my life. Okay, I got, there's one other person. How many of you know I'd be in trouble? She's like, yeah, yeah ain't no doubt about it. She would jack me up. Okay, so there's no way to have a healthy relationship when someone doesn't occupy first place in your life. Look at this scripture it says, you are good leaders, or you are leaders in so many ways. You have so much faith and so many good preachers. That's a good place for you guys to say amen. You got some good preacher. Come on, y'all give it up for Pastor TJ and Shayla, right? How many of you would say Shayla's a really, really good preacher? Come on. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you have so many good preachers here. You have so much learning. Your DNA classes and the, and the topics that you're taught here. I mean, you guys are really rich when it comes to spiritual depth. And it says, you have so much enthusiasm. You guys are an exciting church. Just watching you worship God. All right, it says also that you uh, you have so much love for us. Now, look, it says, I want you to be leaders also in this spirit of cheerful giving. I'm not giving you an order. I'm not saying you must do it, but others are eager for it. Look at this. This is one way to prove that your love is real. It goes beyond words. We can say we're Christians. Yeah, I love God. But it's actually what you do with your money that shows where your heart really is. Look, this is a, would you write this in your notes? This is a heart issue. And this is all important for you to get your heart right. This is way more important than actually than guilt. You ever watched a commercial on TV before and you see these starving children somewhere else and you feel guilty and you give money to it because you feel bad? What motivated you to do that was guilt. It didn't change who you were. It only, you were motivated because of guilt. Look, this heart issue is more important than even awareness. I've been to fundraisers before. Incredible organizations you have all over this community. You ever been to one of those fundraiser events and you hear about an organization, you go, wow, I didn't know they were doing that. And you give some money to it, right? Maybe you are aware and so it motivated you, but it didn't really change who you are. See, when you get the heart right, everything else will follow. See, this is way more important than anything else is that you get your heart right and that you put God first in your life. And when you do that, you'll realize that God has blessed you where he wants you to go from being a consumer to actually being a contributor. That's why God called you to be a part of his church. Not just so you can receive. Oh, he wants you to receive. And God wants to bless you, but he wants to bless you so that you can actually be a blessing. You know this word in, in 1 Timothy in verse 17, it says for our enjoyment. Would you circle that word, enjoyment? Okay, so I like to sometimes go to the original language of the Bible and see what these words mean. Look, the Greek is the original New Testament language. Listen to this Greek word. It's apollisis, which is where we get the word applause from. And so you and I, we can't live for the applause. Lady Gaga got it wrong, by the way, okay? right? She's living for the applause of people. We need to, as Christians, live for the applause of one. And God wants us to have his applause. He wants us to live life and enjoy it. But we have to live our lives in such a way that it is pleasing to him. I found this. Listen, the average Christian in America gives 2% of their income to the church. That means 98% of what Christians in America earn, go to worldly things. Think about this. No wonder why as Christians, we want more of the world and we're never satisfied with God because we're really putting our heart in the wrong place. So the first thing we have to do is to trust God first. The second is to be a good manager. If we really are rich, and I believe God has richly blessed us in so many ways with the church that we're a part of in the community in the country that we live we need to put god first but we also need to be good managers back in second tim or first timothy it says tell them to use everybody say use you can circle that as well tell them to use their money to do good they should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need always being ready to share with others whatever god has given them use their money this speaks to how we should manage our money. Let me give you another verse in Proverbs. It says, The house of the wise saves for the future, but the foolish person spends whatever they get. Everybody say foolish, say wise. Now, in my house, there are certain things that I am a fool for. And my wife is an incredible cook. In fact, I'm from Louisiana originally. Come on, I'm a true Cajun. I didn't figure there'd be a whole lot of applause going on here, but that's okay. I like to eat. When we were dating, I told her the weight of my heart was through my stomach, and uh, she learned how to cook, and, man, I am in love. Let me just tell you. She's a great cook. One of my favorite things she does is she makes these cookies, her homemade chocolate chip cookies. Oh, how many of you jonesing for a cookie now all of a sudden, right? (laughs) And, and I am, how many of you are the persuasion you can't have too many chocolate chips in your chocolate chip cookies? Come on. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. She adds something to her chocolate chip cookies. She puts grape nut cereal in them. Don't laugh till you try it because it makes them crunchy and you kind of feel like they're healthy so you can have more. So <laughs> you're welcome. I just blessed you, All right. So, but I'm the person when she makes the cookie dough that, that I like the cookie dough. We got people like the cookie dough. Come on, no, raise your hand. You like the cookie dough? All right. I love the cookie dough. So the problem is she makes the cookie dough, and I'm just eating the cookie dough, right? And then she puts them in the oven, and then when they come out and it's time to eat the cookies, I've already had my share in dough. Come on, right? There's nothing left. I don't know how to wait till they they come out. I think so many times that we consume so much, everything just on ourselves, that we forget to save some so that we can help other people. And I'm not talking about cookie dough, I'm talking about real dough, all right? <laughs> I, um, I think the scripture, when it says the house of the wise, we need to understand who that is. The house of the wise, it doesn't say the home where there's, there's a two-income family, those are the people that are wise. It doesn't say in the home where people make six figures, that's the ones that are wise. In other words, this idea of being wise with our money is something that we can all attain to, right? I have people all the time, they ask me this question. I know they ask your pastor as well. They say things like, Pastor, I really want God's blessing. What is it that I can do to where God is looking in my life, And he says, you know what? This person is doing what I want them to do. How can I have God's blessing in my life? Let me give you some insider trading tip. Okay, you ready? You ready for this? All right. Let me help you out. When you die, there's going to be a test. How many of you were terrible at school? Come on, Ray. Yeah. All right. I was terrible. I'm from Louisiana, man. School's optional over there. Okay. So... Let me help you out with the test that you're going to have. When you die or Jesus comes back, at the end of your life, however that comes, you're going to be standing before God. You're going to have a two-question test. All right. The first one is, what did you do with Jesus? All right. Was Jesus the Lord of your life? I don't mean did you attend church, or was your name on the roll, or could you spell Christian, or did you know Bible verses? No. Was Jesus Christ the Lord? Did you surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's question one. By the way, if you don't get number one right, you don't even get question two. Okay, it's kind of like, well, see you later. All right. So make sure you get that right. And the good news at this church, at your Pompano campus and here at the end of every service, you get an opportunity to let Jesus Christ be the Lord of your life. And then, and then get involved here so your faith can grow. Okay, that's question one. Second question has to do with stewardship. You know what? It's called the great white throne judgment. You can study it if you want to. You just have to take my word for it. All right. And that is, there'll be a question. What did you do with all the stuff that I gave you? You live in an incredible community. You are a part of an incredible church. You happen to live in America. What just so happens is the wealthiest country in the world where the gospel can be preached at any time. So God's going to say... What did you do with the opportunity that I gave you in life? Were you a good steward of that? So that means every day what you should be asking yourself is, God, what do you want me to do with everything that you've given me? Live your life with a fierce intensity. God, you placed me here. What do you want me to do with this? Can I I just tell you something? When you live your life that way, God, the scripture says in Chronicles, that the eyes of the Lord are roaming throughout the earth looking for those whose hearts are fully committed to him so he can show himself strong. You want to be strong in your life? You want your marriage, your finances, your family, your life, your walk with God to be strong? God's eyes are roaming and he's looking around and people whose hearts are committed to him, he will show up and show himself strong. And I think Those of you in here that maybe you own businesses or you have some ideas in your mind of things that God, I believe he's given you. I believe and I speak right now. Before I came up here, God just dropped this in my heart. I'm not a, as Pastor TJ, I'm not a super spiritual person, okay? You know, I don't often like hear from God and like, you know, have some burning bush experience, but I'm telling you, God put this in my heart for, for the coastal. God wants to bless some people radically in here. And you know who he's looking to bless? Those whose hearts are fiercely committed to why God puts you on this earth anyway. is to know him and to make him known. And when we live our lives that way, Coastal, I think it'll change your life forever. You know, John D. Rockefeller, who became the wealthiest person on this earth, back in 1905, he was given over a million dollars a year away. In 1905, that's a long time ago, all right? You know how he became the wealthiest person? Started as a clerk, ended up being the wealthiest person in in America. You know how he did that? He said, I gave God the first 10, I saved the next 10, and I lived on the rest. That was his formula. Man, anybody can do that. You give God the first 10, you save the next 10, because rainy days will come. I don't know if you know this, but bad, bad days happen, and you need to have a house of wives. You need to have some stored up. So when those things happen, you're ready to take care of those things and also help others in need. Look, I am thankful that your pastors live their life this way. Because eight years ago, when God called them to start this church, if they had been spending their money like everybody else in America, when they felt the call of God to come here and start this church, they wouldn't have been able to do it because they wouldn't have had the money to come here and just put it all in this thing and, and build this church and start this church. I'm so thankful that you and Shayla stewarded what God had given you. So when the call of God came, you were ready. Come on, y'all give God some praise for your pastors. Because if they wouldn't have, somebody else would be your pastor right now. It doesn't mean Coastal wouldn't have started. Because I don't know if you know this, but God's church has been around a lot longer than America, okay? And it's going to be around a lot more after America, okay? In other words, there is nothing on this world that can stop the church from growing. And if TJ and Shayla wouldn't have positioned themselves to come here, God would have sent someone else. I'm here to tell you right now, God is going to grow this church. He's going to grow his kingdom, his capital C church, and he can use you. But if you're not ready, I'm telling you, he's going to use somebody else. And so when we live our lives that way, it's for our enjoyment. It's for our applause, so God can applause us and go, hey, great job. But it's so that we can not just be blessed, so we can be a blessing. And the third thing is that this is what the Bible calls fruitful living. This is what's called fruitful living. Back to 1 Timothy. In the last verse, it says, by doing this, by doing what? By by honoring God first, by putting God first in our lives by stewarding what we have so we can manage opportunities when situations come our way or when bad things happen, we have the finances so that we can take care of those needs, right? So by doing this, it says they will, everybody say, that's me. Come on, I don't know if you guys know this, but in order for words to come out of your mouth, your lips have to be moving. Okay, so everybody say, that's me. Okay, then they, that's you and I, Will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. Would you circle, excuse <coughs> me, would you circle that word fruitful? That word uh, fruitful, it means beyond comprehension it means that there's something that you won't even be able to comprehend until you do it, right? It's kind of like you live it, and you'll look back on your life and go, oh man, that was very fruitful. I want to leave you with a story of a man who, his name is Alfred Nobel. And you guys probably know, have heard of the Nobel Prizes, right? You guys have heard of those before, okay. Well, Alfred Nobel... Um, In the late 1800s and early 1900s, actually, is when he lived, uh, he actually invented explosives. He actually invented dynamite. And I ain't talking about J.J., right? Come on. How many of you know good times? Raise your hand all the old people. Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, that's a good show, right? They don't make them like that anymore, do they, right? So Alfred Nobel invented dynamite. And when his brother, when Alfred's brother, he got sick and died. And so the newspaper, young people, newspaper, okay. Uh, You you know how on social media you can look at news and you look at it on your phone? Okay, back in the day they used to print that stuff, okay. It was called a newspaper, all right. So I just want to make sure you guys know what a newspaper is, all right. Okay, so they used to only use newspapers back in the day. So when Alfred's brother died, the newspaper thought it was Alfred. So they ran Alfred's obituary. He wakes up, grabs the newspaper, opens it up, and reads his own obituary. That's crazy, right? Not many people have the opportunity to see what the world's going to say about him before they're even dead. He was given an opportunity that very few people have ever had. And you know what the newspaper said? Here's the exact quote. They said, This is the man they described him who has made it possible to kill more people more quickly than anyone else who's ever lived. (laughs) You know, that's a bad day, right? When you read your obituary and it is like they're slamming you, he had a revelation, a realization. That's not who I want to be. And because he was able to read his legacy while he was still alive, he was able to change that. Therefore, he started the nobel prizes and there's been 950 or something like that given away in all the years in last year those prizes each prize cuz there's 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 several of them they give away every year the people who receive them got over a million dollars okay for each of those and this the fund right now the nobel foundation has 4.9 billion dollars in it right now it'll forever do something and and be impactful in this world. What's interesting is his legacy is a whole lot different now. Now, when you think of the Nobel Prizes, man, there's you know great feelings. You don't even know about the dynamite thing, right? He changed his legacy. What will your legacy be? You have the ability to write your own obituary as well. And so, what will it be? Well. It can be one that's great, or it can be one that you would be like Alfred. You would be discouraged about it. Look, no one ever celebrates, you know what, man? They had some really cool automobiles. Man, That, was, that, that was, that's what I won't say about me in my eulogy, no. Man, you know what? They took some really cool vacations. Now, you know the people that are celebrated in life? Those who served and helped others whether they were giving or at least giving words of encouragement, they were a good friend. They were a loyal friend. They were there that were committed to causes that made a difference. Those are the people at the end of their life. When people look at it, they're celebrated. You have the ability to write an obituary just like Alfred did. You can start today by changing your legacy, by putting God first, managing what you have. And the scripture says that's what a fruitful life is all about. You have the ability to change your life not just here on this earth, but for eternity by living your life with these principles. Coastal, you are an incredible church that is placed with an incredible opportunity to make it hard for people to go to hell all over South Florida. That's why God brought you here. And I say, let's be good at being rich. And let's realize that we're blessed not to be consumers, but to be contributors. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you, God, for how you're cre- causing them to increase. And, God, this building even that they're building, it's, this church is not about buildings. They know it's a, it's a have-to so they can what? Reach more people, God. Thank you for that vision. And I pray, God, that you would do all that is in your heart for this church. And, God, even the vision that the pastor and others have, that you would do immeasurably more than that because I know that's what your vision is. So, God, our part is to trust you by putting you first. Be good managers of what you've given us. God, help us to be fruitful Christians while we're here on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.
0: Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Randy. Thank you, Pastor. Appreciate your word today.